everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Beetroot. Hello, everyone. You are here with your hosts, Lottie and Marta. This week, we're going to talk about healing. Yeah, tonight we're going to go deep into our souls, hearts and minds and just unravel all the shit that's in there. We're going to go to within. If you made it through this week, give yourself a pat on the back because, whoa, the world is burning, apparently. (laughs) Apparently so. Poetry is the answer. And poetry is the answer for us. (laughs) So we brought some poems to each other this week, which for us symbolise the idea of healing or have healed us in some way. Marta, would you like to share with me what yeah. you've brought to heal me? Well, well, well. Well, so I went straight to the poetry pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from having an incredible name, the poetry pharmacy is an idea elaborated by William. Give me his last name because I can't Psych-gart. pronounce Psychgard. I'm never going to get that. Um, and it's basically, I think, Willie, as I'm going to call him tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, good old Bill. <laughs> um has a deep faith in poetry as something that can truly heal people. Mm -hmm. And so what he did was that he set up a tent and he would talk for 10 minutes to somebody. You know, he'd be in a sort of therapist type chair and this Mm -hmm. person would talk to him about, you know, their heartbreaks, their anxieties, their sadnesses, and he would prescribe them a poem. You know, instead of prescribing them medicine, he would prescribe them a poem. I thought, oh, that's completely brilliant. And then I found out that he actually also made a collection out of these poems so the collection basically is organized you have a particular difficult feeling you could be experiencing being anxiety lost of zest in life um, loneliness and he will give you a poem to do some form of healing and I think that's what's interesting also about the collection is that each poem kind of heals you in a different way you know Mm. one of them will Give you a little slap, slap on and, the face. exactly <laughs> slap on the face and be like, wake up, you know, go mm-hmm. live your life. And another one will feel like a long hug. Yeah. And I feel that no one describes this collection better than Stephen Fry. He wrote a really nice description of it that I'm going to read real quick. It's a truly marvelous collection. There is balm for the soul, fire for the belly, a cooling compress for the fevered brow, solace for the wounded, an arm around the lonely shoulder. The whole collection is a matchless compound of hug, tonic, and kiss. Oh, give me whatever he's having. I know. Um, And so the poem that I've decided to bring is actually the poem that inspired, uh, that first inspired our dear Willie to to do all of this. Um, And it's The Price by Stuart Henson. And so what, what Willie used to do is that he would, he found this poem so powerful and that it could really have the potential to actually change somebody's life that he would tape it around the walls of London Um, And especially, which I found was such a nice image, he would tape it underneath the bridges that he knew the double-decker buses would stop at Mm -hmm. so that a person, an unsuspecting traveler, would be sitting on his double-decker bus and encounter this poem in this moment of pause. I guess Willie hoped that it would change something for them. I'm sure it did. And I'm sure it did. Uh, So I'll just read it. Go ahead and read the poem. Mm. The Price. Sometimes... It catches when the fumes rise up among the throbbing lights of cars. Or as you look away to dodge eye contact with your own reflection in the carriage glass. Or in a waiting room, a face reminds you that the color supplements have lied and some have pleasure and some pay the price. Then, 
All the small securities you built about your house, your desk, your calendar are blown like straws and momentarily as if a scent of ivy or the earth has opened up a childhood door, you pause to take the measure of what might have been against the kind of life you settled for. Mm. <laughs> and I think he's really right. I can just yeah. imagine being on a bus and I think this poem, especially if you encounter it in a sort of moment of surprise, would really make you question many things. Yeah, what am I even doing on this bus? Exactly. Probably going to work, right? Probably. Mm. And uh, and I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind um, also with your poem is that this is a short poem. And I think that there's something about short poems. They have a, a, a prayer-like quality yeah. to them. And I don't think a long poem can heal you quite the way that just a little short sort of like punch to the heart. Yeah, well it's quite laborious, isn't it? And if you're if you're going into something with the ambition of healing yourself and if you're taking the time to to do that self-care, then I don't want to be overwhelmed. No. <laughs> um and I think both of our poems in their shortness offer enough breathing room for you to consider how you're going to heal yourself because it's, it takes two to tango, you know. Mm -hmm. The poem's not going to do it for you, but You've got to you've got to bring your project to the poem. Yeah, definitely. And actually, the thing, the fact, what you said about it leaving a moment to breathe, I really think that this is where this poem is so intelligent. Is that it arrests you within your daily routine, and it talks about those moments where you kind of maybe stop. Maybe you're in a waiting room. Maybe you're in a bus. And if you don't distract yourself and you catch a glimpse of your reflection or you see this poem written somewhere or you see the face of someone, mm. you kind of stop for a moment in, in the circle of things that you're supposed to be doing and work and life. And you ask yourself the kind of deeper questions of your life or your existence and not just, you know, is my house tidy? Um, did I check my calendar this yeah. morning? But, you know, I guess uh, what could have been? Yeah, what kind of life have I settled for? I think arresting ourselves in the moment of daily routine mm. is essential to healing because you kind of can pinpoint the the things that are maybe going wrong or are causing you to come home at night and not feel very good or what is the underlying problem here? Because mm. if you really want to heal yourself or you think something needs healing, I think you've got to address every aspect of your life. You know how... The whole the spine connects the whole body, mm. you know, and you know how how you walk affects your head. Mm. Um, the whole body is connected in some way, and I think that goes for our troubles. You know, finance connected to love, and love connected to family. You know, all of these things interact with each other to form the ecosystem of ourselves. Mm. And what do we settle on? Yeah. Ask yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, what have you settled for? Yeah, that's the question we're asking you tonight. Mm. Um, and I think what's especially, you know, interesting about this poem is, you know, he mentions all these moments, you know, when you're looking away from your reflection in the carriage glass, in the waiting room. But really, the essential moment in this poem is the poem itself. Mm. The poem is, with when you're reading this poem, it is that moment where you stop and you breathe and the poem becomes part of those moments that allow you to kind of pause and ask yourself another question or ask yourself a difficult question. Mm. Um, 
And I think that that's, that's, you know, basically what we do every week here on Beatreet is that we take a poem and we pause for a moment and we immerse ourselves in that universe. Mm. Into someone else's imagination, into the someone else's lifetime if 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 they're confessing something to us it's mm-hmm. really not only does it say something about that person's life and their thoughts but it also speaks back to our own life and our own thoughts and that poem's definitely doing this i mean what is the price of living mm. yeah and i think what's so powerful about this poem i mean there are certain poems that i think um everyone will relate to or like more more specific people will relate to whatever this poem, I th- I would be so curious to see what everyone thinks of when they read it because mm-hmm. I think it speaks, it's lo- loose enough that it speaks to every single one of us, but I think it points in each of us with the finger something quite particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is, you know, what is the price that you're paying? What have you settled for? What would you really want? Yeah, it's a catalyst for that thought, isn't it? It's not giving you the exact thought that you're having. How, how could it ever do that? But... Mm-hmm it triggers you into into thinking about it and you know when you're ready sometimes we don't want to approach or confront those thoughts but maybe we could when we're on the bus you know what else are we going to be doing on our way to work and perhaps by the time you get to work you want to quit your job or you want to ask for that pay rise or you want to tell your co-worker you've got a little crush on them who knows like it, it could really change someone's day and that's what I think is so miraculous about encountering poetry like that you know just putting it wherever you feel like it, not in a book, because so so rarely do people actually physically pick up books nowadays. It has to. We need the Instagram poets. We need the mm. the graffiti artists, the vandals, you know, to to get words out there in a way that isn't so um, linear. Yeah, and actually, that's been like a big project in uh, in Willie's life. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I hope. I mean, I, this would be a high hope for Be True, but I just hope he never hears if this. He does hear this? It's <laughs> done out of love, out of healing, exactly, out of admiration. Um, but um, that's always been a big project in his life that he really thought. You know, actually, at the introduction of the the poetry pharmacy, the collection, there's a part that's um, after the introduction called "How to Read Poetry," and he mm. says people often ask him. How do I read poetry? It seems like something so inaccessible, quite niche. I don't understand it. And he gives a few pointers. Um, First, he says, read it out loud. Mm. Read it out loud like a prayer. And read it for every night during a week. So, like, read it just before you go to bed. Choose a short poem and read it once every night. And you'll see that it will reveal itself to you slowly Mm. in the process of things. And, you know... I think that that's really nice because, you know, also us, I guess we wouldn't maybe be the typical poetry readers or maybe we would. I don't know. But I think yeah. that what are the kids doing nowadays? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> Like the way the way you you talk about poetry or you read poetry, maybe for many of us has been a kind of school context or something. Mm-hmm. But that's also, I guess, what we do with our podcast. There's many times where I bring in a poem and I haven't understood half of it. Mm. But really, it's a way for me to have a discussion about myself with myself for me to have a discussion with you about life mm. and love and loss it's it's like a door and i think that that's what he says you know he says um that this moment has opened up a childhood door you pause yeah. and i think that that's what this poem is i think it's a very nice way to actually think about reading poetry mm. you know in a way that's personal and 
healing and not necessarily trying to understand what the poet really wanted to say and yeah. that second metaphor and that third line and mm. the and the simile and exactly the, and the assassination and and to that I think that healing therefore is the freedom to explore in some way I feel greatly healed every time I come and record beetroot with you and I hope that listeners when they when they listen to an episode of ours in some way feel that they gained something or they learned something about themselves or they you know moved forward with thought in some sense yeah um and I would really for whoever's listening to this I would just be super I mean I think it would be super nice for you to really maybe go back and listen to me reading the poem or something and I'm just curious how what 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 are you thinking about you know when you hear mm -hmm. it like you Lottie what What did it point? I mean, maybe that's too personal and we don't have to bring it up. But what did that point in your heart? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it it draws my attention to now. Mm -hmm. And like I just said, we had a hell of a week. It's still it's a it's a rocky, rocky one we're riding right now. Um, and I think the collective healing that we're going to experience in the next decade, at mm -hmm. least um, the healing that we're going through right now, the healing that marginalized majorities are are going through is is a lot of work and we need to explore that healing through art and, and through poetry mm. um you look away to dodge eye contact with your own reflection in the carriage glass very few people are boarding carriages nowadays perhaps we see ourselves in the window of our own homes and being in your own home can be very confronting right now but it also gives you the opportunity to heal in the comfort of your own home and to take the moment for self-care and to remind yourself that this is a collective experience we're going through this is a global pandemic sometimes i have to mm -hmm. remind people who are like no 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 and i'm like this is happening to everybody it's not yeah. you know it's kind of a citizenship test you know looking after your fellow neighbor in some sense and how we, how are we going to embark on this collective global healing in yeah. the medical sense and in the like spiritual sense i guess yeah i think that's why for me poetry is so healing and poetry on beetroot is even more healing is mm. because i think healing also comes from connection and yeah. i think you know when you're reading a poem you're already connecting with yourself but also with you know the writer and then when i come onto beetroot we have these poems and we have each other and um i was reading for class today a donna haraway text and she just says at the end of it she's talking about her and her dog and the relationship between her and her dog but she describes their relationship as um uh queer messy playmates or something like that or like playmates in queer messiness or something but i thought that that was such a nice um way of establishing these kind of weird connections that we can have with mm. our pets with our poems with our friends and how those are really within the interplay of those of yeah. those relationships where the healing happens. Yeah, interconnectivity can certainly have a massive role in healing. And this poem I've actually just realized is kind of a reflection of our current global state and how we're interacting with each other from our our houses, our living spaces. Then all the small securities you built about your house, your desk, your calendar are blown like straws. Mm. Woof. yeah and the straws are all over the floor right now let me tell you like yeah it's it's a game of pick up six like I, i don't know where to look yeah and i think that's very true um 
maybe before we move on to your poem to like kind of make it relevant to nowadays is that now you know our houses um zoom all of the kind of you know work those are the things that are staying mm. in place but we see that there is a massive dissatisfaction and a massive mm. kind of um sadness and anxiety around these times that are coming up so i think it really does make us question well our calendar our house and you know our car or whatever those are not what do they even mean exactly <laughs> when you can't go and have a little beer with your friends oh <laughs> okay which is the most healing of all experiences yeah. um i tell you <laughs> The moment I'm allowed out of the house. <laughs> so, Lottie, what poem do you have for us today? This one's a little more hopeful. It's um, it's looking forward into the future, to the moment when, when perhaps the healing's complete or you're ready to heal or healing is on the cards for you. Um, and it's Yellow by Anne Sexton. Uh, she was born in 1928 and she is renowned for her confessional poetry. She did go to school with Sylvia Plath um, and unfortunately met a very similar fate. Um, she committed suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, and in a lot of her poetry, she discloses her struggle with mental health. She had bipolar disorder as it was diagnosed back then. Um, and she is considered one of the first modern confessional poets. Um, her openness to approach the matter of mental health was something very new back then. This one was written in 1972. And she was working on a collection called The Awful Rowing Towards God just before she died. And there's a little anecdote which I think is is very apt um, when she meets a Catholic vicar. I think, and and she is asking for um, last rites or or some again with the church. Last episode, the episode oh my previous. god, <laughs> Jesus take the wheel. Okay, <clears throat> something's this is third happening in I'm a, a row. Yeah, I'm a go- Last episode we said we were nunnery. counting. <laughs> so that's number three references to the. If Lord. we make it to five, to five, Lottie's going to join the nunnery. Yeah, you can catch me at the convent. Um, <laughs> But people often look at the role of creativity in Sexton's death. So she goes to the Catholic Church to, um, I think, get her last rites. And it's sort of a begging that she's performing to this vicar. And he says, God is in your typewriter. So I think poetry was a healing apparatus for her. And it is for many poets. I think they go that way when there is nowhere else to turn. Um and I would like to read the poem because despite the seemingly downhearted introduction I've given her, this seems to me full of hope. Yellow. When they turn the sun on again, I'll plant children under it. I'll light up my soul with a match and let it sing. I'll take my mother and soap her up. I'll take my bones and polish them. I'll vacuum up my stale hair. I'll pay all my neighbours bad debts. I'll write a poem called Yellow and put my lips down to drink it up. I'll feed myself spoonfuls of heat and everyone will be home playing with their wings and the planet will shudder with all those smiles and there will be no poison anywhere, no plague. 
in the sky, and there will be a mother broth for all of the people, and we will never die. Not one of us will go on, won't we? Oh, it's like she's run out of her house and she's announced this to everybody. Like this sort of reminded me of in the first lockdown, we did have this feeling of everyone's finally allowed out of the house and people burst out a bit too enthusiastically. Hence second (laughs) lockdown. But it is just sort of this, the moment we can embrace again, the the moment it's it's okay to, to come out of the house and to to go back to normality even if we will i it's like a the the cries of a town crier or or the proclaiming of a lover or something you know it's just full of so much passion and intensity um and i find it particularly interesting how if you look at the poem look it up um you'll see isle is at the end of each line um mm-hmm. i will isle um and I think that's sort of the driving force for both the rhythm of this poem and the ambition that Sexton is going through <clears throat> this verse with. I will, I will, I will do all these things. I will vacuum up my stale hair. I'll light up my soul with a match and let it sing. She has so much life left in her, which is why I do sometimes find this poem so confusing because she did end her life uh you know, in sad circumstances. Um, It was very dramatic, apparently, because she put on a fur coat, her mother's earrings or her mother's jewellery, poured a glass of vodka and then went and sat in the car and sort of bunged up the exhaust. Um, And and that's how it happened. So it was definitely a a dramatic death. Um, And she was a very passionate poet. Um, But the confession here, to me, just shows she was full of so much life yeah and i think it's especially powerful i mean knowing kind of her backstory but you Mm. also feel it in the poem because it's not saying you know the sun is out and the children are under it it's saying you know it's coming nearly from a dark place it's coming from the bottom of the the hole you know Mm. but it's looking up and it's it's still within this very difficult place saying i will write a poem called Yellow. And then mm. I find that even more powerful that she calls this poem Yellow and that then she, you know, you, she read that line and she's not only saying I will do this, but mm. by like naming the, by naming already the poem Yellow, it's like by naming it, and I think this is something we've talked about before, but that by naming it, you make it exist. Mm. That by believing that someday the sun will come back and that you will plant the children you will vacuum your hair and all of these beautiful images she creates um by naming it it will exist and now it didn't for her but maybe for somebody reading this poem that's exactly what they need to hear yeah i mean these are affirmations you know and i really liked what you just said of it's coming from the bottom of of the well for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. but she's looking up she can see she can see the yellow sun from from where she's standing and I think that's when we find ourselves in really, really dark positions. And I think a lot of us have been through that in the past. It's almost been a year. We're nearly clocking round to January again and, you know, coming on to a, another year. And coronavirus has been around for the whole year. And we've been coping with our mental health in, in various ways. But when we've been in that darkness, 
it's good to see the light. It's good to focus on something that will reconjure that image in your mind. Um, and that's why I like, she begins, when they turn the sun on again, and in your poem, I think it was really drawing us to that interconnectivity that we're all responsible for each other's healing, mm -hmm. that it's a collective process and that we're, you know, again, love thy neighbour. I, I, I just can't help myself, it seems. Um, but when they turn on the sun again, you know, it's, it's going to be someone in Anne Sexton's life or a, if if she's inclined to the spirituality or, or religion, as I have found myself to be. Apparently. Um, <laughs> There we go. Revelations. Um, whoever they are is going to turn on the sun by not naming a specific person. You know, it's not when God turns the sun on again mm -hmm. or when the president turns on the sun again or when my lover turns on the sun again. It's it's leaving it open to interpretation to us. Whoever turns the sun on for you, you know. Yeah. And I think the whole what we were talking about with interconnectivity that's really felt here in her poem because mm -hmm. well not only are most of the joys that she describes also connected to other people you know the children the people the mothers um but also the the last question that she asks you know is about all the people mm. you know it's will go on um yeah but then how do you interpret the the final won't we yeah, because that could—I think that can be interpreted in many ways. But mm. I think healing or dwelling on hope is sort of taking the first leap off of the cliff or, or jumping into the unknown mm. um, with uncertainty as to how you're going to interact with your healing or how hope is going to manifest. Mm. And she's made such a proclamation that, you know, yeah. I'll light up my soul with a match and let it sing. Okay, Anne Sexton, I'm sure you will. Let's, <laughs> let's see it then. Um, and she's sort of at the end of the poem, you know, it's escalating. It's like this snowball effect that's just getting bigger and bigger for all of the people. And we will never die. Not one of us will go on. And then this sort of, won't we? You know, yeah. this. there's always going to be uncertainty when you're approaching these kinds of subjects um, of healing, self-care, of restoring yourself to you're never going to be the best version of yourself. Like, yeah. come on, we, we you know, we have very li limited time on our hands and we've got other people to take care of and, and things to do. But so long as you're putting this kind of motivation out into the world mm. that, you know, you're, you're doing your best. You're doing the best you bloody can in the circumstances that you've landed with and we've all landed with pretty dire circumstances recently yeah. um so for one second just to say are, are we sure like, just before we go forward everybody on board yeah and i think well first of all that question um then is addressed obviously to someone so this is not just a poem for her i think mm. it, it the question calls in the reader yeah um but yes. i also think that for me the question makes the poem that much more hopeful and that much stronger in its hopefulness because it's not um because we're all gonna die you know it's not like it's what <laughs> <laughs> well you're going Martha. to jesus you're, you're gonna go to god now but <laughs> kids listening wow Martha, um, wow but i think what what the won't we does is like okay well maybe we will die mm. and maybe you know the sun will not be turned on every day mm. but that's also okay you know, because yeah. if you have that kind of 
forwardness and also just can I mention the mother broth what an image I <gasps> oh, mean so I would beautiful. kind of uh, appeal for having mother earth like just renamed mother broth because mother broth. there is nothing more comforting than a broth so a mother broth is a beautiful image pot of the earth. <laughs> that's just amazing mm. um but I think there's something really strong in the hopefulness that also then I think ties by back to the poem that I brought in which is not a, a hopefulness that promises eternal sunshine forever and ever amen um <laughs> we gotta stop i'm not even gonna acknowledge <laughs> anymore <laughs> but i think it's it's a hopefulness that also admits the non-linearity of it mm. and maybe the moment the fact that it's a hope that is going to come in moments in moments where you catch your reflection in moments where the sun comes up And that it'll push you forward for a little bit. And then maybe for a while you're going to need a poem to push you forward for a little bit. And then maybe your friend and then yeah. maybe your pet or whatever. Mm. Um, I think this question is aimed at the reader as well. You're right. You know, the won't we, it's kind of up to, it's up to we, it's up to us, you know. Anne Sexton's not going to do this by herself. Imagine one woman lighting up the sun. I mean, it has been said that, uh, <laughs> but you know, realistically, it's a collective effort to put positive energy into the world and we'll go on, won't we? You know, answer that question for me, reader. Yeah. Do you think so? Do you think we can do it? Wow. Be sure to just asking you so many questions tonight. Questions. Will we? Wow. Will we go on? <laughs> and actually, I think the mother broth, mm -hmm. I interpreted this as poetry itself. The mother broth that we can all drink <sighs> from. And that it's just, there are so many poems out there that are going to heal people in different ways. Someone, someone might read, um, you know, a Shelley poem that I detest and... Sorry, Shelley. Um, <laughs> and find it so restorative for whatever they're going through. And that's the mother broth. You know, there's different vegetables in this broth and some people may not like the different vegetables or certain vegetables, but you know, you push the stuff you don't like aside and you drink the stuff that's good for you. Mm -hmm. And if you're a very good child, you drink everything because pickiness is, a not, is not a nice quality. <laughs> Wow. And uh, on these words of advice uh, <laughs> on uh, parenting from Lottie Walker well, herself. You know, <laughs> my services have been enlisted several times. <laughs> oh, um, Well, I really hope that this episode healed you in some way. I know it definitely healed me in some way. And if these poems didn't work for you, get looking, people. Yeah. Go find something that's going to uplift you and heal your soul. Check out Willie's Poetry Pharmacy. Willie. <laughs> yes. Check out William Seitkart's <laughs> Poetry Pharmacy. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.